Okay, well, hey everybody. Thanks for listening to Worship Local. Since COVID numbers are on the rise right now, Andrew and I, we just thought it might be helpful to do another round of psalms for this pandemic, which is something that we did kind of the first go around with the first spike of COVID numbers. What Andrew and I want to do, what we're going to do is we both want to give brief 10-minute reflections of a psalm. And the reason why we want to do that is we want to do this with the hope that it gives you a handle to hold on to in these strange times. As our time around other people decreases, it's absolutely paramount that our prayer time with God increases. Otherwise, our spiritual and emotional health is just guaranteed to implode. And like always, I feel like we've always been like this, but Frontier Church has always been a huge advocate for praying the Psalms, using the Psalms as a starting point for prayer. Because after all, the church has always conceptualized the Psalms as the church's prayer book. So whether you live in Des Moines or elsewhere, we hope this podcast helps you worship local. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from my mother's womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God, so be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bowls encompass me, strong bowls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion, and I am poured out like water. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen, and I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, 
glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who see him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn, turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations." All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him, and it shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. That last phrase one more time. He has, (laughs) he has done it. Well, what a perfect psalm to pray through in the middle of another wave of COVID crashing down on us. I was talking to a few dudes the other night about Jesus's words on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's It's a tough text to interpret. Because we know that the Son, Jesus, is one of the three members of the Trinity. So what was happening when one member of the Trinity called out to another member of the Trinity, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, there's three options for interpreting that when Jesus cries that out from the cross. Option number one. Option number one would be to interpret these words as the son experiencing broken fellowship with the father. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll call this the heretical option. It's, it, it's, it's heretical because we know that the Trinity is unchanging. The scriptures are super, super clear that the nature of God is unchanging without flux. Theologians use the word immutable. So we know that the fellowship of the Trinity is unbroken when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Our our Trinitarian God did not momentarily become a binatarian God, right? He's unchanging. The three persons of the Trinity did not momentarily become two persons of the Trinity. He's unchanging. So if the fellowship between the Father and the Son is not broken, then what other options do we have? What other options are we left with to interpret that? Well, here's option number two. When Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is expressing a felt sense of forsakenness. A felt sense, emotionally and experientially, while the Father pours out his wrath on Jesus, Jesus feels forsaken by the Father. While Jesus absorbs the penalty for our sin, Jesus feels forsaken by the Father. I like option number two. Here's option number three. When Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and by the way, let me say this. Option three is completely and total, totally compatible with option number two. Option number three is, when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is giving us a clue. He's given us a clue. 
Jesus is well aware while he's being crucified that to his onlooking bystanders, the people who are watching him on the cross, he's well aware that he appears to be a failure to them, right? That That's that's what people who are crucified by the Roman government were. They were not heroes. They were failures. And so Jesus is well aware, even in his last fleeting moments, that his crucifixion is being interpreted by the world as the horrific failing end of an otherwise pretty good ministry career. And Jesus, knowing this, knowing that he's being misinterpreted, he's leaving us a clue as to what's actually happening while he's being crucified. And to leave us a clue, what he does is he quotes the first line of Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is the clearest prophecy of the gospel in all of the Psalms. So when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Everybody who was watching him that had any education with the scriptures would immediately hear him and think, wait. That line sounds familiar. What what song is that from? I swear I've heard that before. Wait, that's a psalm. Jesus is quoting a psalm. What psalm is that? And as they unrolled the scroll of Psalm 22, which begins with the line, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They would be opening the clue up. Because once they started reading Psalm 22, what else would they read? Well, they would read the clearest prophecy of the gospel in all of the Psalms. Verses 14 through 15 of Psalm 22. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Jesus is saying, that's happening to me. And what else would they read in Psalm 22? Well, they'd read verses 16 through 18. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They've pierced my hands and feet. I can count all of my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. (laughs) Jesus is leaving people a clue. On the cross, by saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's saying, hey, it appears as though I'm a failure right now, but every moment I spend on this cross is a fulfillment of an ancient psalm that foretold of my victory. Go read Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is going to tell you what's happening to me on the cross right now. (laughs) It's amazing. Psalm 22 is all about the gospel, guys. It's like this. Here's, here's one way I'd explain the gospel. There was, um, and you guys know I'm a wrestling coach, and it's wrestling season right now. So, of course, I'm just going to blunder you with a, with a ton of wrestling analogies <laughs> moving forward. But last year, there was a wrestling meet that, that I was coaching at, and it all came down to one of the last matches, right? The entire outcome of the meet depended on one match at the end of the meet and the whole auditorium could feel it felt like the air got sucked out of the gym it felt like the gym was going to explode everybody knew that whoever won this match that team was going to win the meet so with every takedown in the match the audience erupted right and anytime one of the kids almost got pinned Everybody got up on their feet and screamed. It was pure adrenaline. Pure adrenaline. And eventually, one of the kids headlocked the other kid, put him on his back, and the ref called it a pin. 
And the kid, right, he gets up, he's a high schooler, so he gets up and he flexes and the fans get on their feet and they roar with applause and the teammates jump out of their chairs and they run to the edge of the mat and they celebrate with that kid because they know that he didn't just win a match, he won the meet. And I tell you this story because it's an example of how one wrestler's pin earns the whole team enough points to win the meet, right? I tell you this story because even if you were on the junior varsity team and didn't wrestle in the meet, you still get the points that he won because you're on his team. Even crazier, if earlier in the meet you lost your match, you still get that teammate's points because you're on his team. So that means that all of the applause, all of the cheering, you get it all. It gets credited to you. It goes on your scoreboard just because you're on his team. And that's the gospel. If you're a Christian, when Christ was crucified victoriously, you get the points that Jesus earned on earth. His points go on your scoreboard because you're on Jesus' team. By grace through faith, you get Jesus' victory on the cross. You get the applause. You get the cheering that Jesus earned. And when you look into the bleachers, you want to know who's cheering for you? Not just all of the angels, but even God himself. So that's how much he loves you. You live your life in the constant applause of the heavenlies because of the gospel. And that's actually why Psalm 22 ends this way in verses 30 through 31. Psalm 22 ends by saying, It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation that they shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. That's why Jesus says it is finished on the cross. Because on the cross, to quote Psalm 22, he has done it. And I think that's what makes Psalm 22 such a crucial and important psalm for you to pray right now with, um, man, with another wave. Is this the third? With another wave of COVID crashing down on us, so many of us have, a lot of us in our church have compromised health, or you'll just consider it wise to quarantine at home. And if that's you, God loves you. Frontier Church loves you, and I love you. And I absolutely encourage you to be obedient to your conscience. And I celebrate your decision to quarantine. That's a good thing that your conscience is saying that to you. And yet, it's it's going to be hard, right? In your isolation, you might sometimes feel like the psalmist in Psalm 22 at the beginning of the psalm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's oftentimes what isolation feels like. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what Psalm 22 teaches us is that it's not a sin to pray that. It wasn't a sin for the psalmist to pray that. It wasn't a sin for Jesus to pray that. Psalm 22 was written so that you would have the language to express those feelings of abandonment to God. Verse 14 might even be helpful for your prayer. I'm poured out like water. Do you feel that way right now? Verse 15 might be helpful to you. My heart feels like wax. So church, pray your feelings to God in this season. 
And as you pray Psalm 22, you're going to find yourself in good company. Because as you pray through Psalm 22, you'll find yourself, you're, you're going to find yourself in the company of Jesus. You'll find yourself praying along to Jesus' prayer, singing along to Jesus' song. And the best part is that what was true of Jesus is also true of you. That no matter what you're going through, though your fellowship with God might feel broken, it's not. That's only a felt reality. The Father will never leave you. He'll never forsake you, no matter how much it feels like he has. God loves you, Frontier Church. Pray Psalm 22 this week. Hey, Frontier Church, this is Pastor Andrew. Um, I just want to share briefly with you uh, one verse from one psalm. that I hope God will use to encourage you and to remind you of his providence. So we're going to look at Psalm 27, verse 14. Um, But this one I've been thinking about um, today um, as it relates to the chaos in our world right now. Um, You take the pandemic out of things, and this is still um, a crazy time of year, a time of year that increases anxiety for people, increases stress for people. That increases depression for some people, but we've got the holiday season coming up, right? Thanksgiving is coming pretty soon. Then we've got Christmas. Then we've got the new year coming on and setting goals and trying to be a better um, person, right? So we've got all these things that already induce stress into our lives this time of year making sure we've got enough vacation days saved up to go visit that family member, making sure we've got enough money in the bank account to buy our kids something that we want to buy them for Christmas, making sure that we can get our grocery list done in time and make sure we don't have to fight somebody on Christmas Eve for a ham or whatever, you know, cherished product that your family enjoys on Christmas Day. It's a stressful time of year. But then you you compound that with um, the uptick of of COVID-19, and there's just, it seems like every source of media, every bulletin, every podcast, every decision you make in life is one that induces stress, one that induces anxiety. And I hate that, right? That's not the way that God has intended things to be. But in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of stress, he meets us and he reminds us of the promises that he has given us as his people, so I want to read this this verse from Psalm 27 briefly, and then just walk through it a little bit, and then I want to pray for you. That's all I want to do. So here we go. Psalm 27. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. That word wait here, it doesn't mean like when I tell my kids, like, hey, wait a second, and then we'll see if it pans out. We'll see if uh, if you just wait. I may or may not give you that snack after nap time. But the word wait, if you really think about it, it it means that you're going to hope and you have belief in something taking place. So when we wait for the Lord to act, when we wait for the Lord to move, what we're saying with our lives, with our hearts, with our minds, that we know that God is going to come through. 
We know that he is going to rescue us. We know that he is not going to forget one aspect of one promise that he has given us. So as we are in this crazy season, this crazy time in the world, where we're trying to figure out who actually is our president, when will this virus go away, do masks work, do they not work, what news should I be reading, who should I believe, what should I do, we wait for the Lord. And we know that one day, all this is going to pass away, that all of the, the tears, all of the sorrows, all of the sadness of this world, it will come to an end when Jesus comes back and rescues us from these bodies of death, from this world of corruption, and he brings us into new creation where heaven and earth overlap once again, and we are fully in the presence of God. We wait for that. We wait. We don't have to hustle and bustle because we know that our our king is coming back for us to bring us into his kingdom. So while we're exiles here, while our hearts are troubled at times, when we're scared, when we're anxious, when we're stressed out, when we're depressed, we wait because our king is going to come and he is going to bring us into his perfect and good kingdom because we are citizens of his kingdom. We wait because we trust that the Lord is going to come come through on the things that he has told us to hope for. Life everlasting a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We wait for the Lord. And we be strong because of our waiting, because of our knowing that God is going to come through. We can be strong. We can be, we can be people of courage. So while the rest of the world is just riddled with anxiety and division and fear, We can be people who are strong. We can be people who point to Jesus. We can be people who support one another and love one another in our times of need. We can be strong and our hearts can take courage. Our hearts can be strong and steadfast because the one that we believe in, the one that we follow is strong. He is steadfast. So we have reason to be for our hearts to take courage I know that's hard right now. I know it's hard. Or my family, we've been, we're on day 13 of uh, some self-isolation because we were exposed to the virus. Um, we're all healthy, thankfully. Um, but man, it's just, it's so hard um, to take courage at times. It's so hard to be strong at times. It's so hard to wait on the Lord at times because of fear because of anxiety, because we're driving each other crazy in our house and we get to come back into society tomorrow, but it's hard. I've talked with several church members this week of, of their, with, uh, with them about their anxiety. I've shared about my own personal anxiety in this season and the, the stress of life and the loneliness. It's hard. I know it's hard to deal with all of these things, but I promise you, I promise you that we have a reason to wait on the Lord to rescue us from a pandemic. We have a reason to wait for the Lord to rescue us from our bodies that perish. We have a reason to wait for the Lord to bring in, to bring new creation, to bring heaven back on earth fully, totally, because he is good, 
because there's not been a single promise that he has not come through on. So church family, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your hearts take courage because our King is worthy of us doing those things. And he loves us and he's present with us. So that ought to cause us to love one another. That ought to cause us to minister to one another. That ought to cause us to serve one another because our King has brought us into his kingdom as his citizens. And so we are all equal in his sight. So if you're not struggling with anxiety in this season, pray for your church members that are struggling with anxiety this season. Because I promise you, it's shocking to know how many people in our family are are dealing with anxiety. And I'm one of those people. And if you are struggling with anxiety, reach out to one of your pastors. Reach out to me, to Cole, to Kent, to Stephen, because we would love to pray for you. We would love to help you. We would love to fight for your joy and to fight for your ability to wait on the Lord and to be strong and to take courage. We want to do that for you. So church, let me pray for you. And then I hope you have a good day whenever you're listening to this. Father, I thank you that you are a God who is worth waiting on. Sometimes it feels like we're a kid in a candy store and we're just waiting for for mom and dad to scoop out a bucket of candy for us. And it feels like forever. It feels like the thing that we want is taking too long. But Father, your timing is perfect. Your plan is perfect. You sent Jesus for us to rescue us from sin, to purchase out of our slavery to the kingdom of darkness, and you have brought us into your kingdom of light. And Jesus was crucified. He was buried. He descended to hell. He rose again from the grave, and he ascended and is seated at your right hand, and he sent his spirit to fill us as a seal of your promise of our eternal salvation and the fact that you are coming back again to make the world right, to put away sickness, to put away death, to put away sorrow. Lord, we know that with our heads, but sometimes our hearts don't want to fight for it. And so I ask that you would help us to fight for joy. You would help us to fight for the ability to wait on you because you are worth waiting. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, and by the power of his spirit, I pray these things and ask these things of you. Amen.